Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, hey, if we haven't met yet, my name's Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And today we're wrapping up our series called Won't You Be My Neighbor, um, where we're looking at how we can bless our community, which means next week we start a brand new series, which is called Encounter. And this is going to be a great series where we're going to look at stories where people encountered Jesus, where they encountered his hope, his transformation, his grace, and his peace. And so um, this is going to be a great series, I think, to invite people to, like especially people that need an encounter with Jesus. And I think we all do. We can encounter Jesus every time, every day. Um, it doesn't have to be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So think about, just pray. Don't think about it. Pray about it. Give a, give a prayer of like, hey, who, who should I invite God? Who should I invite to encounter? Um, this, this is an interesting season, this next uh, year. So in church life, you guys probably know the most attended church days of the year are Christmas and Easter. You got it. So Christmas and Easter, we see this huge spike in church attendance, and then it drops straight down right back to where it was. It, it might level off a little bit. Um, you, you retain a few people. My hope during those seasons is like someone has this like, whoa, I've really encountered Jesus um, at Christmas or Easter, and they, and they stick around and hear about the gospel some more. But, but there's this other interesting season around back to school time where we see people looking intentionally to return to church. So Christmas, Easter, people don't have an intention to return to church permanently. It's just a tradition. They go once a year, twice a year. But back to school, people are like, okay, I need to get back in the rhythm of, of life, and we're getting back in this rhythm of school life, and we want to get back to our, our spiritual roots, and so we're going to go back and look for a, a church right now. So we see... Um, if you were to look at like church attendance stats, you see this uh, back to school. It goes up and it stays up, and it kind of and it kind of stays up there like that. Um, what's interesting this year is the coronavirus. There's a ton of people who have not returned back to church, and I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about like churches in general. There's a stat that came out last year that said 60% of people, 60% um, of church-going people. We're not attending church in any form. No small groups, no online church, no in-person church. They were just gone. They are missing from the church altogether. And I don't think all those people have come back. And so I want, to be, I want to be a church that's saying, hey, don't give up on church. Like, this is real spirituality where Jesus impacts our daily life, and we want to live that out together. So as we enter this season of people being open to spiritual things, I think... Um, I think we just have to keep inviting, keep thinking about who can, who can we invite. The other thing is with this coronavirus is that people have gone through an incredibly hard year and people are open to spirituality more than they ever have been. If they weren't churchgoers before, they're open to spirituality in a sense that, that they're saying, I don't know exactly what I believe. I don't know who Jesus is. And I think now is the time to say, listen, we have answers for you. We don't have all the answers, and we don't have perfect answers. Um, but we have a very real Jesus who is changing our lives. Um, and so I think now is the time to be inviting. 
So think about that this week. Think about um, who you can invite. Or maybe it's just not an invite to church. Maybe it's just inviting them over for dinner and starting a relationship with them. Um, Whatever it may be, I think there's a lot of people that are searching for Jesus. And and I want to be there with an answer. And I want to say, there's an answer for you and his name is Jesus. Um, So we've been going through this BLESS series. um, And BLESS stands for this. Begin with prayer. So we're praying for people. We're saying, God, who do you want me to bless? Um, We are listening to them. We're eating with them. We're serving them. And then today we're talking about story, sharing our story. When we practice these blessed practices, it changes our mindset from um, if we have the opportunity to bless somebody to when we have the opportunity to bless somebody. Oftentimes we go through life and we think, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, um, then yeah, I'll, I'll bless somebody. If a homeless guy asks me for money, sure, I'll give him some money for my car. If a neighbor asks me for help, I'll be glad to help him. I'll clear my schedule for him and help them. Well, that's great. But I think that's just the if. We wait for those opportunities to come to us. And I think we need to be taking um, the opportunities to them. So we need to change that if into a win, and it becomes a certainty that we are going to bless people when we practice this. Because we're praying for them, we're eating with them, we're listening to them, we're serving them, we're sharing our stories. And in that way, we're actively seeking to bless those around us, those in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our families. You know, it's, today we're talking about story. You know, it's human nature to enjoy story, isn't it? Like even from we were, when we were young kids, I was thinking about what stories did I enjoy as a young kid? I'll share with you. Maybe you can identify with some. I remember my mom uh, read to me Gulliver's Travels. Any, anybody read that book? So my mom read that. Um, and uh, Pilgrim's Progress. She read that to me as a kid. Pilgrim's Progress, anybody? Yeah, you guys know that one? That's a good one. Um, I remember listening on the radio to Adventures and Odyssey. It was like this radio. Oh, yeah, okay, lots of Adventures and Odyssey fans out there. All right. I could listen to hours of that thing. Um, And then I remember even getting a little bit older, I would listen to the old-time radio hour. And what they would do is they would play radio shows from like the 40s and 50s, or maybe it was earlier than that. I don't even know. Um... But I would have to like sneak a radio into my room late at night, and it was like 10 o'clock, way past my bedtime at the time, and um, I would turn on the radio, and they would say, hey, welcome to the old time radio hour, and you would listen to the programs uh, like The Lone Ranger. Anybody listen to The Lone Ranger ever? Yes. And uh, The Green Hornet was another one I remember. So I'd listen to those stories, and they went on to like midnight. It was bad. I... Um, and I never got caught neither, so <clears throat> I'm kind of a rebel. <clears throat> um, listening to those radio stories. Our lives are full of stories. Like today, of course, we've got movies that we all watch. We've got our TV shows we watch. We'll turn on NPR on the way to Champagne, right? And we'll listen to a few news stories. We'll turn on the news. Um, we've got podcasts that we listen to. I mean... I'm doing the dishes, I've got a podcast, and you know, someone's telling me a story all the time. Even social media is just a way to tell story, isn't it? We're posting a story of what we did today, or what we did on vacation. 
We're surrounded by stories. It's hardwired in us to listen to stories, to share stories. And so today we're going to look at a man who had a significant encounter with Jesus and what happened when he shared his story. And we get, we get that story today. So I'm going to read it for you today. It's in John 9. And so if you can turn there with me, I'm not going to have the scriptures up there because it's too long. Um, so if you want to turn there with me, you can uh, go in your app or you can go in your physical Bible, John 9. And I'm going to read from the NLT version today. It's called Jesus Heals a Man Born Blind. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sin or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out this task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming when no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva. Are you imagining this? And, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourselves in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus, he made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go wash in the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind <clears throat> to the Pharisees, because it was the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, He put mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there's a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind, been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leader still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents. They asked them, Is this your son? Was he born blind? And if so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son, and he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough. Ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why don't you want to, 
Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and will do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. You are trying to, and you are trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard that this happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? It's another term for like a Messiah. And the man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we are blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim to see. This guy has quite the story, doesn't he? Like, could you imagine, I don't know, two, three, four, five years later, being in a small group with this guy, and then, like, you're getting to know him, and you're like, hey, man, tell me an interesting fact about yourself. And he said, oh, I used to be blind, but Jesus healed me. Like, wouldn't that be nuts? Wouldn't you be so encouraged by that to hear how Jesus, how he had an encounter with Jesus? That would be so encouraging to hear that in person. You want to know something, though? We all have a powerful story like that. And you may not know it, but there are people in your immediate circle that need to hear your story. This blind guy had a story of his life before Jesus. He had a story of how he met Jesus. And he has a story of life after Jesus. As Christians, we're no different. We are the exact same as this blind man who had an encounter with Jesus. We too have an encounter with Jesus. And there are people in your circle that need to hear your story. So today, as we look at this man's story, I want him to inspire us to tell our stories. As he tells his story, as he did like even in frustration at the end there, right? With the Pharisees who refused to believe him. He just kept telling his story. You know, this whole thing, it starts out with a question. Who sinned? Who sinned? This guy who was born blind or his parents? And that's why he's born blind. You know, that, that's a typical misunderstanding. Like, that happened way back then, and it even happens today, that we have this misunderstanding that, like, how God responds to us if we are sinning. Like, if I, um, you know, if I do something wrong, God's going to be harsh with me, and he's going to hate me, and he's going to cast me to the side. Right? That, that's the same misunderstanding that they had. Or maybe if I'm reading my Bible enough and I'm good enough and I do enough good things and I pray enough, then God's going to look favorably on me. But that's not how it works. Jesus loves us no matter what. And then Jesus answers his disciples and he corrects their theology. And he says, 
No, he, he wasn't blind because his parents' fault or his own fault. He was born blind, Jesus said. He was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So my first point for you today is God's work in you is so that God can work through you. God's work in you is so that God can work through you. God's given you a story, and maybe even many stories, probably. And whether it's your testimony, the, the church word that means your life before Jesus and after Jesus, or uh, whether it's uh, some trials that you went through and God guided you through those, or God's just blessed you in fantastic ways and you have stories of his blessing. Um, we have stories where God has worked in us. Now, that's not to say that God causes all these bad things. The truth is we live in a broken world where ugly stuff happens. And it's those times when Jesus breaks through and he brings life to us. True life as it's meant to be. As he talks about in John 10.10, he says, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Have it abundantly. Do you guys see when Jesus is glorified in the blind man's life? Do you guys notice that? It's when the man tells his story. That's when Jesus becomes famous. And, and the people even say, where is Jesus? Like, we want to go see him too, you know? Telling your story is a natural way to share God's hope for the world. Telling your own story is a natural way for you to share God's hope with the world. That's what this blind man did. Think of the people that the blind man encountered after that. He was telling this story. And these other people were like, whoa, I can be healed from something like that? I got to go find Jesus. He gave them hope. And it was stories like that, like the blind man's, that, that caused Jesus to have these massive crowds that followed him around to hear him teach, to receive spiritual healing, to receive physical healing and emotional healing. God's work in you is so God can work through you. Then Jesus does in this story, he does something super weird after the disciples ask that question. He spits on the ground, he makes some mud, and then he smears it on this guy's eyes. Like, can you imagine? That, that is so weird. Maybe if you grew up in the church like me, you kind of look at this story and you're like, oh yeah, that's what Jesus did. That's awesome. He spit on the ground and he put mud on this guy's eyes and he washed it off and bam, healed. Awesome. That's the way we think about it if you grew up in the church. And, but it's a really weird thing. I mean, next time you're at a barbecue hanging out with your friends, go ahead and spit on the ground and just start making mud on the ground and just see what your friends do. I mean, that's weird enough, let alone put it on somebody's eyes. That's crazy, right? I did, uh, I did do some research. There are some people that say like spit at that time um, was seen as something that could cleanse eyes and something that could bring about healing. Um, there is some debate about that. So maybe it wasn't completely weird at that time. We don't really know. But in this context, in our context, for sure it is. But now, either way, this town is having a debate. Is this guy the actual blind guy, or is it just a doppelganger? Is it just uh, a look-alike? Maybe it's someone who looks like him. But the man says, yes, it's me. And so they ask him, well, what happened? And, you know, he tells them, he tells them a guy named Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud. He tells a story. Spit on my, he, he spit in the mud and he put it on my eyes. I could wash it, I washed it off and I could see. Now this story got around to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, 
they're religious leaders um, who, you know, they get such a bad rap in the Bible. They're, they kind of always go up against Jesus. But, you know, honestly, I oftentimes identify with the Pharisees. I grew up in church. I have, I went to Bible school and stuff. You know, like, I identify with the Pharisees. That's, that was their training, too. Their hearts were to bring people back to God. But the way in which they wanted that to happen was not at all the things of God. The way that they wanted that to happen was for everyone to follow the rules. If we could just follow all these rules and show God how dedicated we are to following his rules, then he would bless us. And that's just not the way it works. And so when the Pharisees hear that Jesus broke uh, at least one rule, maybe two rules, um, the one the word that we have for in the Bible for when Jesus was making the mud paste was the same word that's used um, to make clay. And making clay or making pottery on Saturdays at that time was a big no-no. You can't make clay on Saturdays. Um, it sounds silly to us, but that was the, the rules they were following to show their dedication to God. And then the other thing was you couldn't heal on the Sabbath on Saturdays. That was, that was a big no-no. That was their day of rest. You couldn't heal um, if you needed to save somebody's life, that was okay, but something so trivial as giving a blind man his sight back, that, that's not okay. So they had this list of rules, and the Pharisees needed to know if Jesus broke these rules and if he was a sinner or not. And so they call this blind guy up to ask him what happened. He repeats himself, Jesus made mud, put it on my eyes, washed it off, now I can see. And so these moral rule keepers of society, they have this debate among themselves if Jesus can be from God because he healed somebody or if Jesus is just a straight sinner because he broke the Sabbath rules. And so they spend some time deeply divided, probably debating back and forth while the blind man just stands there like, guys, I'm healed. Like, what do you want from me? And so these experts in the law um, they live for these kinds of rules. They, they can't figure it out. In all of their training, they can't figure out what's going on. And so they go back to the expert in the situation, which is the blind man, and they say, well, blind guy, he healed you. What do you think? And he says, well, he's a prophet. That's what the blind man says. He's a prophet. Yes, he is from God, he's saying, obviously. But then, you know, they don't like that answer. And so they go back and they think, oh, maybe the people were right. Maybe you pulled the old switcheroo. Maybe you're not really the blind guy. So they call in his parents. And the parents, they are asked, well, how can he see? Is this your son? And they say, yes, undeniably, he is our son. And we know he was born blind. But as for how this all happened, we don't know. So you should ask him. They were scared, the Bible tells us after that, they were scared of being kicked out of the synagogue, which to us, we may be like, well, getting kicked out of church, no big deal, just go find a new church, that's fine. Uh, but back then, it was a much bigger deal. Synagogue was your religious life. That was your Jewish life. It was your social life. It was a place where many different things happened. And if you couldn't be a part of the synagogue, um, that was giving up your Jewish life. And so they were they were scared of that happening, so they didn't want to say, yes, this guy is from God. Jesus healed our son because that would imply that God might, um, or that might Im imply that he is from God, and that would cost them their Jewish life as they knew it. 
So the Pharisees, they're not getting anywhere with the parents, and so they turn their attention back to our friend, the blind man, this poor guy. They just keep pestering him. So then he finally, he's like, I've had enough. And in verse 25, he says, I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I see. Sounds like a good song lyric, doesn't it? And they say, yeah, yeah, we know. But what really happened, blind guy? You've told us that before. What really happened? They're just so convinced in their minds that something nefarious is going on, that Jesus isn't who he says he is. They just can't believe him. And so the man says, look. The man exclaimed, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples too? A little bit of sarcasm in the Bible. That's fun. And that brings me to my second point. You don't have to know all the answers to tell your story. You don't have to know all the answers to tell your story. Our friend, the blind man, he has a story. You know what he doesn't have? He doesn't have an explanation for the doubters of the science behind how this happened or who Jesus actually is. He doesn't even have that answer. He doesn't even have a complete understanding of what happened. He just knows who he was before Jesus. And he knows that he met Jesus and he knows who he is after meeting Jesus now. I think oftentimes we think that like if I'm going to tell if I'm going to talk about Jesus in my life, I've got to have the bigger answers. I've got to know um, I've got to have a, a perfect answer for when someone asks me why do bad things happen to good people or um, uh, why does God allow such evil in the world or um, how can you explain the discrepancies between uh, the science and scripture and the science that we um, that scientists tell us today? Like how how can you have answers for that? And you don't have to have all the answers to share your story. It's perfectly okay, just like the blind man says, to say I don't know, and maybe go research it. Go talk to your pastor, and your pastor is going to tell you I don't know. Let me go research it. I'll get back to you. Um, you, know, you don't have to have those answers. You don't have to know. The blind man said, I don't know. And he still got across his message because you have a divine story given to you by God of who you were before him, how you met him, and who you are after him. My third and final point is this. Your story is celebrated in heaven. Do you guys know that? Your story is celebrated in heaven. Isn't that beautiful? And when you share your story, you are bringing the things of the kingdom of God to earth. You are sharing hope with someone, like we talked about before. You are sharing the hope that you found in your life that is, that is 100% truth definitive to you with someone else that can also share in that hope. The opposite of that, the negative way to say that point, is that your story is nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Whether you have a story like mine where you grew up in the church and you don't have this like huge pinnacle moment of like falling on your knees for Jesus after a life of sin or whether you went through really hard things and Jesus miraculously pulled you out. Whatever your story is, it's celebrated in heaven and it needs to be shared. It needs to be shared. You know, the blind man's parents, they were a little bit ashamed. Like, they didn't want to lose 
their reputation in their community. And I think we can go in the same circles because we believe some pretty insane things. Have you guys ever said what we believe out loud? We believe that this guy was born of a virgin. Let's just start there. Like, <laughs> that's crazy town. Um, and then he lived a perfect life. For those of you that have kids, like, lived a perfect life. I have a two-year-old that's the most adorable thing in the world, but man, she's got some little sins in her little heart, you know? Um, so we, we believe some crazy stuff that Jesus died, lived a perfect life, died for us, like he's the king of the, king of the world, king of the universe. He's a God and he dies for people. We believe some crazy things. But we don't need to be ashamed of that because we have the hope that Jesus has given us. And we get to share that with the world. God has given you a divine story to share with others. And your story is celebrated in heaven. So let me recap. Three things. God's work in you is so that God can work through you. You don't have to know all the answers to tell your story. And your story is celebrated in heaven. And when you share your story, you're bringing the kingdom of God to earth, bringing hope to other people. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that um, you've given us story. You just like built it in. I think that's pretty fun. Something we don't think about often, but um, Jesus, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for your story, your story of giving us life, meeting us in the depths of our sin, of our backs being turned to you, and you, you take us out of that and bring life to us and forgiveness and grace to our lives. God, I thank you for every story in this room and how you've worked so differently in each one of, one of, our, one of our lives. And we just ask um, that you'd give us boldness this week to share our stories, um, to share it with each other even. It's so encouraging just to hear from each other. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We love you. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.